our great pleasure to welcome you again to Royal Leamington Spa to streams in Beautiful the desert. City. And uh, we just loved your visit last time and uh, people, um, women, were talking about it for a long time. So oh, thank you very much for returning. You're, uh, you're, you're a pastor in Birmingham. Uh, you're a busy pastor and you run the Spirit Cafe. And remember last year you told us some amazing Holy Spirit testimony stories. So uh, we're really looking forward to Thanks. what's uh, is going to come. Thanks. And um, let me pray. Father God, just thank you for the fact that your hand is heavy upon Laurie. Thank you that she's here tonight. Thank you that she felt prompted to pray mm. for those two women. And Lord, we pray mm. now for a fresh anointing. Come Holy Spirit, just speak through her. You know us, you know Laurie. And I pray that as she gives out to you and us, you might have a Holy Spirit blessing for her too. Yeah. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. It's great to be with you again. I can't believe it's really a year. Um, forgive me for having a, a few lingering cold germs. <laughs> I think I got them from my baby granddaughter, believe it or not, who hangs out at some of these mother-toddler groups and seemingly catches every, every bug going. Um, I think last year I was here probably mentioned that my youngest daughter was due to have a baby in May. And um, so she's a lovely, healthy, beautiful baby girl named Isabel. And um, I am I'm thoroughly blessed and enjoying her. I, I try to uh, FaceTime or um, video call her every day, at least even if I can't go over. For the first few months, I just went over every day and loved up on her and helped my daughter. She's had a few health issues, especially relating to sleep, my dear little granddaughter. And uh, I think... That's been culture shock for my daughter who figured, you know, she could keep her perfect schedule with this little baby. And as we all know, they don't work like that, do they? <laughs> um, anyway, she's just a delight and a joy, so it's lovely to be back with you. Thank you guys for worship. It was lovely. He walked in the room. It's always easy to speak when he's already here. So thank you. He is um, a miracle worker. And he does keep all of his promises to you and to me. And I think it's um, an interesting time that we're alive. I'll try to keep um, to my time, that clock. I, I took a lot of my time already, huh? Okay. Um, I've been a Christian for uh, 54 years now and um, have just enjoyed getting to know the Lord, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in different ways, in different um, revelations, I suppose would be the right, right uh, term. But I feel like 2020 is an incredible year for us, the church. How many people in the room would call themselves believers or Christians now? And we've probably been hearing messages for a couple of decades about the soon return of the Lord or the great harvest that is to come. Um, I know that we have heard those. I still think that this could be the year of the greatest harvest the world ever sees that is released on earth. Now, I, I can tell you um, some stories that would probably uh, stretch you in terms of Spirit Cafe and what we're doing. We launched um, two Spirit Cafes in Russia in September. So there's probably about 40 different Spirit Cafes around the world and Russia being uh, actually not the newest ones. We also launched one in Germany. But Russia, one was in Siberia and one was in St. Petersburg. 
Um, what a thrill. And, um, do you know, the Lord is looking for really one thing for all of us to kind of hang on to, and that is hunger. He's looking for those of us that want him and want more of him. I think it's a requirement. You know, if, if I don't need anything, Jesus often said to people, what do you want me to do for you? Remember the guy at the pool of Bethesda? What, what is it that you would do for me? It's obvious what this man wanted and needed, right? He needed physical healing. He went on about his complaint. But Jesus wants to ask you and I, what do you want me to do for you? Much like blind Bartimaeus, Luke 18, if you want that reference to spend a bit of time on it. I'm not going to talk too much on it tonight. But blind Bartimaeus is a wonderful story where he would not be silenced by the people around him in expressing his need to the Lord. Now, I've been in England almost 20 years now. It'll be 20 years in August. I need to have a party. Um, and the Lord told me that really he just wanted me to go and prepare a place for him. Because this was sort of the revival um, authorship of the world, really. I think most great revivals came out of Great Britain. Do you know that? Are you hanging on to your heritage? Because, you know, as we all know with different immigration things and so on, the world has come to you. The world has come to this land in great numbers, immigration-wise, to say, what is it about your land that it makes it blessed? And there's something about the UK. But there's also something that I've learned about British people, being a Canadian myself. And I love many, many aspects of British culture. This one is a little bit frustrating for me. Um, and that is, sometimes, a few British people can be slightly non-authentic. Now let me give you an example. You go to a restaurant, and you order steak. And the waitress comes back, how was your steak? It's fine, thank you. You step outside the restaurant at the end, you turn to your friend or your husband and you say, that was terrible. I'm never coming back there. That is not an authentic response to the waitress, is it? And I believe that sometimes we need to shed some of that decorum in order to be a little bit more like blind Bartimaeus and get what we want from the Lord. Do you understand what I mean? Remember the woman with the issue of blood had to press through a crowd and that would have been a shameful event for her, an unlawful event, really, according to the Old Testament, a shameful event for her to push through because she wanted something he had more than she wanted the approval of the crowd. And I think we're living in those kinds of days because I think there's people in the room that say, I would love to have the guts to stand at the front whenever I'm given an opportunity and call out some healings just like Lori just did. I think there are some of you in the room. You know what separates it? Just do it. Just take those opportunities and do it. Do you know what made Peter different from the other 11 disciples that day in the storm? He put one foot over the side of the boat and he decided, I'm going to go to the master because he's calling me. That's what made him different. He's the only one other than Jesus who walked on the water, right? See, Jesus is calling you and I to do some extraordinary things in these days. Things that take us outside of our comfort zone. 
The thing is about comfort zone. If we live in our comfort zone now, we probably won't have anything different than what we have right now. It's the definition of insanity. If I do the same thing over and over, I'm gonna get the same result. If I, if I don't do anything different than what I'm doing, I'm gonna end up with the very same results, right? We need, to, we need to be listening to the Holy Spirit to say, well, what should I do with this? So we need to give him opportunities, practice. Do you know, as a pastor of a church, one of the things that has frustrated me through, through these years and probably nudged me towards evangelism so much is, is people who are Christians for 20, 30, 40 years and still the expectation is that they get their their Sunday morning feed from the front and they go about their business like normal. But all of the expectation would be that I would feed them on a Sunday morning. Do you know that's not really biblical? It's not really what the Bible says. You should come with a song or a psalm or a spiritual song or an encouragement for someone. You know, if, if we want a roaring fire here, St. Paul's on Sunday morning, do you know what it requires? Not just the ministers to get those coals good and hot. It requires you and I to bring our little flame, our little log, our little coal, and add to that. Because we've got something to add. We're all supposed to be part of this harvesting team. And that's where I think we're headed. Um, I think I probably shared with you last year that we had done the National Exhibition Center with our spirit cafes. Did I share that with you guys? doing the kind of the new age fair. Nobody remembers that? Okay, well that's good. I can share a few stories then. Um, we were actually invited to take over someone's stall at the um, NEC in Birmingham for the wellness event. It's called a mind, body, spirit event. The problem is there's no one representing the Holy Spirit there. And so we were actually invited to take over their stall and go ahead and do that. So we did that for one year. We've now done it three years. And this past year, um, we gave out, so, so let me just describe what happens. Spirit Cafe is an evangelism tool where we want to reach those who are hungry and searching for God, but it may not be just people that come to church on Sunday. It's people who might frequent um, the local spiritualist church. <gasps> Now you have to understand, I'm a good Pentecostal girl and spent my teenage years in the Baptist church. So I'm, I'm well grounded in what's right and what's wrong in terms of dabbling in anything the devil does. And I never did. My parents taught me to stay away and avoid all that stuff. And so thankfully I was taught well and I did. But I began to see that there is a whole host of hungry people that are hungry to know what God is really about the problem is they're looking in the wrong places. We had um, a lady last year who um, sat down with one of our teams and basically what happens is they would sit with two or three people and be given probably a prophetic word. Everyone understand what a prophetic word is? Yes? Hands up if you do. You have to play along a little bit. Um, we call them spiritual readings because that's language they understand. It's not because we're trying to be clever it's not because we're trying to trick them. We're trying to understand that these spiritually hungry people are going looking for spiritual food 
They just don't know where to look. I have met thousands of them now, and not one of them has been looking for the devil. Do you know that? They come into our place and they say, wow, the aura feels different here. You know what I say? Thank you. That's the Holy Spirit. That's who you feel. I don't mind being completely overt with them and telling them exactly what the difference is. There was a lady who came to the, um, well, I'll, I'll get ahead of myself. There's one testimony last year. This woman sat down and she was having her prayer time, her treatment, her prophetic word. And the team was giving all these pictures about the father, which is unusual to give to someone who has not met Jesus yet. It usually doesn't work that way. And um, the team member said, have you met Jesus before? Which usually we don't say something quite that direct. And she said, I just did. And the team said, well, really, tell me about it. She said, well, I was in the meditation tent in this big psychic fair. Now, just hang on to your hats for a minute. Let me finish the story. But I understand, because my eyes were also like, what? I just met him in the meditation tent. This man, all dressed in white, walked towards me, showed me holes in his hands, kissed my forehead, and I felt all this light. See, she doesn't have the church words for it, but that's what she said. And I came out of that and came straight to you. And the deep member said, well, that's wonderful. Can I tell you about Jesus? Can I give you a New Testament? Can I share with you what he's really like? <clears throat> and so continued to lead her, you know, I guess in a little more understandingly way of who Jesus was. We've done Spirit Cafe for, uh, it'll be six years in May. And as a little church, we've probably led um, 2,000 people to Jesus, which is, I can tell you, in the previous 15 years, there would probably be about five. Most of them don't come back to our church. It's still a huge step from including Jesus in their life to um, going to church. But here's a common thing that I hear. People will say to me, so are you guys Christians then? Because on our menu, we have a menu of five things. And on the bottom, it says we are Christians who believe that God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit want to talk to us today. Something like that. And um, they say, so are you Christians? And we say, yeah, we are Christians, but Christians operating in spiritual gifts. Usually they say, oh, okay, that's great. And that answers all of their queries and questions. But sometimes they persist a little bit. And they say, really? So this is like a church? And we say, yeah. And probably half of the people say, I didn't realize the church had anything relevant to give anymore. And that's really, really sad to me because I, I believe in church. I believe in um, the gathering of a group of believers together to encourage one another and strengthen one another. Much like what we did. Do you know all of you tonight who stretched your hands to these two ladies, participated in that miracle. Do you know that? I might have been the one that called it out, but all of you participated and pushed on that resistance. Just, just said, no, he's the miracle worker tonight. And we're going to have some of that. How many people helped me push? So just smile at the person beside you and realize, wow, we helped with two miracles tonight. How's the pain, by the way? Still good. 
Any pain? No pain. We should not be surprised, should we? Do you know, uh, one of the treatments in a spirit cafe is physical healing. And um, the percentage of people that get healed is between 60 and 70% of people that get healed. Now, if you do, if you do any statistical stuff with healings, you'll know that that's a, a really high number. Now, I don't think it's because um, of anything other than healing is a sign for unbelievers. And we need to remember that. The ministry of Jesus, I was listening to Catherine Coleman, um, who's, of course, one of my heroes. I went to several of her meetings when I was a little girl. My dad would take me, such a privilege. So I love to watch some of those again on YouTube. But she was reminding me, anyway, the other day, when she said, you know, the ministry that Jesus had was a healing ministry. Yes, he did other things. Yes, he taught. And yes, he delivered people from demons and so on. But primarily, he healed the sick as a sign of the Father's love for them, just because he loved them. That's why he's healed you ladies tonight. Not because you deserved it, because none of us deserve what he gives us. He's just that good, isn't he? He's just that good. Um, if you have your Bibles, how many people have a Bible? No? I want to share something with you um, in terms of, when do you want me to stop? And so what time, it's almost five to nine. I'll say a little bit more. Let me just say, we went to the NEC this year. It was a privilege. It cost us 7,000 pounds as a church to go. It's a lot of money. Um, we don't make any money. Most people that go to fairs at things like that make their money back by the products that they sell. We gave all of this away for free. We um, had the opportunity to sit with 975 people, all who wanted something from God. Isn't that amazing? We were full on for three days solid, 10 to five, 975 people. Of those 975 people, probably 10 of them didn't really want what we were offering. And they said, no, thank you, and walked away. 965 people received something from God because they were hungry to know something more spiritually. And of those 965, 453 of them gave their lives to Jesus for the first time and got a New Testament. Now, I can tell you that something's up because I'm experiencing it. You, you can't tell me that, that revival is in the distance. You can't tell me that anymore because I'm living it week in and week out. Have you ever done evangelism things in your church? Have you ever had a queue at the door before you started? We have lots of times, lots of times. The Spirit Cafe that we just launched in um, Siberia, these guys were so, um, just so ripe, I tell you. They have had 12, 14, 10, 14, 16 people meet Jesus every single week that they're open. Now, do you know what that does for you and for me when we're on the team? Do you all know that you participated in this miracle tonight, really? I don't think most of you believe me. There is a corporateness that the Lord is going to release for this harvest 
that I think is different than in the past. I think it's going to take everybody doing their bit. And for some of us, we have a microphone, and some of us, we're just helping push. We're just helping support. Kind of like if you're a midwife. You know, if you're, if you're the midwife, you're not really giving birth to the baby, are you? But you're sure a help. You're sure part of that, aren't you? How many of you would actually like to be involved in what Jesus is doing now? How many people think that's pretty exciting for those people to get healed? And you kind of want a little bit more of that. Can I encourage you? Ask him. Just say, Jesus, I want more of those opportunities. Plug me in somewhere where I can have some of those opportunities. Because the harvest is ripe. John chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, please turn to that. I have too many gadgets up here, I think. <laughs> My iPhone says, sorry, I can't help you with that. John chapter 4 is a story of uh, the woman at the well. We all probably know it really well. Well, that's too many wells in a sentence. Um, we know it. I don't know. <clears throat> Jesus is going through Samaria. And let's just read from verse 4. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Now here's something that we need to um, read the parables with this understanding. Jesus only ever did what the Father told him to do. Right? John 14. I do only what the Father tells me to do. And actually do it exactly the way the Father tells me to do it. So when you read the miracles and the, and the parables again, make sure you kind of put that understanding in there. Because sometimes we think the Father is just... Um, the angry one that we have to satisfy. He's the one we're always in trouble with. Jesus is the kind one who seemed to do all these lovely miracles, but actually it was the father who found an ambassador who would represent him. That's actually what he's looking for in you and me. He's looking for ambassadors who will take the message of who he is, not just what he said, but who he is. Because there are certain ways that he did things to different people. Why would Jesus heal three blind people three different ways? I wouldn't have. I would have repeated what worked the first time. Over and over and over and over. Because I would have found what worked. But see, God the Father knows exactly how you and I are made. He knows exactly what will get through to us, exactly what the problem is. Maybe it's a sin issue, maybe it's a forgiveness issue, maybe it's a healing issue, maybe it's just a power issue. But he knows exactly how we are, and he's looking for ambassadors who will do what Jesus did. See, Jesus left his divinity. You know what that means? He didn't come as God in the flesh on earth operating out of that divine power. He came as a man and left 
that divine power in heaven. The power that he operated through was the same power that's available to you and me. Do you know what that is? The Holy Spirit, right? Now, Jesus was filled beyond measure, but he passed this baton to you and I and said, all authority and all power I give to you. Go do what I did. And I think somewhere in this, taking the heart of the Father message that many of us have embraced, many of us have had our hearts healed and realized that, you know, my dad is a good dad, but he's not perfect. He's not perfect. I'm so grateful for so many things. But there are lots of things that the Father himself has revealed to me that my father didn't do so well at. And I want to take that as I represent him to other people. Because I can't love the lost the way that he loves them. I can't. Do you know what lost people look like? They cut you off in traffic. When's the last time you just lovingly blessed them? When they cut you off in traffic or someone steals from you? I had a, a girl that I had helped for about seven years as a single mom, only to find out that she stole all my jewelry a couple years ago. Just heirloom pieces from my mother and my grandmother's and all gone. Do you know what? I did not want to bless her. I really did not. She did it to support her boyfriend's drug habits. I found out later. It was nasty. See, bad stuff happens, doesn't it? And when we're lost, we're out for everything we can get rather than somehow just trusting that he's going to take care of me. So I encourage you, whatever trainings you have that you can get to about the Father loving you, get to it. Read John 14 again, how much the Father loved Jesus and operated through him because that's what the world needs to see. We had a girl this year at the NEC. This one might curl your hair. I'm going to tell it to you because I think the church has been insulated for quite a long time and doesn't actually have a good handle on what the world is really like. Apparently in Great Britain, less than 2% of the population attend church. You know what that says? 98% don't. And if I was a business person investing in a market of 2% share, that's kind of like, what? I need to find something else that people prefer to do. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to make this businessy. I'm just saying, if we don't become relevant people who function like Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit, motivated by the heart of the Father, doing it according to his instructions, we're not going to win them. Not really. They want to see real things. We had this girl at the NEC this time. She sat down and she got her pictures and words and so on. And she said, wow, I'd really like to, to go to a church. Do you have any kinds of churches that have, you know, groups like this? And we, um, we hooked her up with a church in Reading that has a spirit cafe there. Because this woman gets dreams frequently about Jesus. Different parables, things that Jesus has done, finds out later that it's somehow in the Bible. But this is her story. She said, well, would these people accept me? And the team said, well, why wouldn't they accept you? So fasten your seatbelt for this one, okay? You ready? She said, well, I'm a witch. And they usually don't accept me in church. So let me ask you this really challenging question. What do people have to look like? 
in order for you to be able to talk to them about Jesus? Are we willing to accept people as they are and enter those conversations? Does that mean at some point in the path of discipleship, we don't bring some correction and so on along? But how many of you were in some sort of a sinful lifestyle when you first met Jesus? Anybody? Don't be too British here. Now, aren't you glad that someone didn't hit you with that when you walked in the door? Aren't you glad it wasn't your first encounter? Was to tell you what you'd done wrong? Do you know most people who come to a spirit cafe who invite Jesus into their life believe they are not acceptable to him? It's the truth. And some of that is down to how the church represents him. Now, I'm a pastor, so I get to say stuff like that. Because I'm not just having a go at you, I'm having a go at me. And I want to operate in the same fashion as Jesus. So just a couple more minutes, okay? Jesus says to the Samaritan woman at noon, please give me a drink. He'd obviously sent the disciples off for food. And I think that was the Father's divine plan, so that this woman was not meeting 13 men, but one at noontime. She already had enough shame, she already had enough of all of that on her life. That's why she went in the heat of the day rather than the morning with all the other women. She was there by herself. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And Jesus replied to her in verse 10, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. She goes on, they have some dialogue back and forth and he talks about springs of living water that will bubble up within she says down in verse 15, please, sir, give me this water that I'll never be thirsty again. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. You know what that is, by the way? It's a prophetic word. It's an inroad into her life that says something about her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. He continues with his prophetic word. You're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. She responds to that and says, sir, you must be a prophet. And they go into a bit more dialogue about um, how the Samaritans worship. Jesus says, verse 23, the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who's called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And for the first time, Jesus says to her, I am the Messiah. The first time that he revealed who he is, is to this sinful Samaritan woman that technically he shouldn't be speaking with. And to be honest with you guys, I think that's what we need to prepare for in terms of our expectation for harvest. Do you know, harvest and growth in church is not from getting people from the church down the road to join yours. It's not. How are you doing? Okay, how many of those are baby Christians? Because that's actually what harvest is. Rescuing them from not knowing him to being in a place of knowing him, where they can get their bodies healed. That's good news, isn't it? Really good news. And Jesus tells this woman, I am the Messiah. Just then, 
the disciples come back. They were shocked. This is what it says right here, verse 27. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask. The woman left her water jar, went back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he be the Messiah? People came streaming from the village to see him. People are so hungry for a genuine encounter with God. They really are. I can tell you, we had at the NEC, ours is the most successful and most attended stall in the building. And we had to monitor crowd control all the time for three days solid. And people would come in and they would have paid their 20 or 30 quid to so-and-so psychic over there and come to us and say, that was rubbish. This was amazing. We had a lady who walked up and, um, you know, we, we had different roles. And so at one point I was just talking to people that were walking by. This lady had two walking sticks and she looked at the sign and one of the treatments is called a spiritual cleansing. Do you suffer with guilt and shame from the past? Let Jesus come and take that for you. It's clearly a Jesus moment, right? He's the only one that can take our sin and, and our shame. She looked at that sign and she said, I would really like that. And I said, well, do you want me to help you get on the list? And she said, I can't yet because I'm, I'm just too dirty. I can't do this. And I spent a little bit of time trying to talk to her about it would be a pleasant experience and it, you know, it would be something that she would like. And she said, yeah, I'm just going to have to think about it. She was obviously agitated. She came back about half an hour later and she said, I still really think I want that, but I'm really, really frightened. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll put you on one of the teams that I know the people really well, and we'll make sure you're okay with that, be okay. This lady, who was probably 60-something, she sat down with our team, and um, they gave her a spiritual cleansing, and she gave Jesus her shame and her guilt and received him into her life for the first time. And this took about five minutes. Each treatment is five or ten minutes long. That's it. She came up to me and she said, it wasn't my fault. I was raped as a little girl. It wasn't my fault. I'm not the dirty one, am I? It's not my fault. I've not known in all of these years of my life that it wasn't my fault. And I can tell you, there are people all around us and, you know, you Brits are really great at sort of tucking it all in and not showing any of that on the outside. But I can tell you also that they're going to psychics and mediums for relief. For somebody to give them some sort of spiritual guidance. They're actually looking for God. They just don't know where he is. They don't know how to find him. It's up to us to do that. And Jesus says to this woman, I am your Messiah. Now let me just um, say that the disciples come back with food. They're perplexed. Just one more minute. Disciples are urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. And Jesus replies in verse 32, I have a kind of food that you know nothing about. And they say to each other, did someone bring him food while we were gone? And Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing this work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. And I just, you know, it's just so on my heart 
Um, I am a person who grew up in the church, never ever was comfortable um, doing any kind of handing out tracts or street evangelism, hated it. Um, but God began to talk to me about the ones that are lost. You know the scripture in Luke 15 about leaving 99 sheep and going to find one? Do you know, the only reason why you would look for that one is if it was important to you. Because the 99 are safe, but that one is lost. And I can tell you, if it's an important family member or friend to you, you know what I'm talking about. And so when we're talking about reaching out to the harvest, uh, what we're going to do in a second is pray with each other about taking what God has deposited in us and allowing him to give us his heart for the lost. Because I don't love lost people probably any more than you do. But I do love him. And if these matter to him, then that matters to me. Do you understand? Things that hurt my children hurt me. Things that hurt people I care about hurt me. If the father is actually willing to leave the 99 that are safe and go find this one stupid sheep who's disobeyed the rules and wandered off by himself and made bad decisions and comes back with a piece of fence and a bunch of burrs and stuff all over him, because that's what happens, right? We get out there and we get a little messed up. If the father is willing through this story that Jesus told to go find them, then I want my heart to be in that place. But I can't manufacture it. I can be willing and I can ask him to give it to me, but I can't manufacture it. So I think everybody's going to get a little pack of seeds. Is that when they go or, or when they come? Actually, let's do this now then. Can we give out the packs of seeds, guys? Sorry to throw this on you. We just see it in this little pack have the potential for, I don't know how big an area of wildflowers, but much bigger than it would appear. And see, the Lord has deposited seeds in every single one of us. Miracles he's done. You know, you may not be able to speak a sermon or, or preach a message or give someone a prophetic word, but you can share what God has done for you. You can give your testimony, which, by the way, is one of the ways, one of three ways, that we overcome the enemy. Our own testimony. No one can argue with my testimony. It's my story. You don't have to believe it, but you can't really argue with it. And so take these seeds, and we're going to pray over them corporately. And then I think it would be a good idea if you just got into groups of two or three or four and prayed for each other that the Lord would send us to the harvest. Would that be okay? How many people want to go to the harvest? How many people want to see baby Christians come to faith? Now, I don't want to embarrass you, but I really would like you to stand for a second. Because the Father is looking, who can I send? And, and I'll be honest with you, for lots of years, I, I prayed a prayer like this. Father, here I am. Please send them. Right? Because, you know, you, you may think you're too fat, you're too stupid, you're too old, you're too young, you don't know this, you haven't met Jesus for long enough yet. All sorts of reasons why we disqualify ourselves. But shouldn't we leave that up to the master himself? If he gives me an opportunity to love on somebody and 
like whoever it was said, and if need be, use words. Um, who was it who said that? Is that Francis of, Francis of Assisi? It was him, wasn't it? We have an opportunity for harvest all around us. But it does require something from us. We do have to open our mouth. We do have to put our foot over the side of the boat when the Lord says come. We do have to, you know, if you, if you have an opportunity to lead meetings, start to ask the Holy Spirit. Are there any words of knowledge for healing tonight? Is there anything specific you want to do? And then go for it. What's the worst that can happen? I'm practicing. By the way, do you know what usually happens with words of knowledge? Um, people come up to you at the end of the meeting. It's a common thing. It's just good at building those muscles. I'm going to give it anyway, even if nobody comes, right? So hold up your seed pack for a, cell, for a second. If you're serious about being part of a harvest solution, then I want you just to hold this up so he can see it. And maybe nobody looking around the room. Father, here is my seed pack. And it represents the seeds that you have deposited in my life. Some of them I remember, many I don't remember. But you have been so kind and so good. I have so much to be thankful for. But these seeds for miracles, these seeds for love, these seeds for encouragement, these seeds for just coming alongside and helping someone, demonstrating the love of God, you have put in my life. And Lord, I'm holding up my seed pack to say, it's time for these to blossom. It's time for these to blossom. Now maybe just shake your seed pack for a sec. It's time for these to blossom, don't you think? I want to put mine in a, a little pot when I go home. And I want it to blossom. I want it to produce fruit. I'm so thrilled you two ladies got healed tonight. So thrilled. So thrilled that we all got to participate in that, right? Father, make me a harvester. Make me a harvester, Lord. Make me part of your plan, Father, to give to Jesus his inheritance, the nations. And Lord, I bring before you my fears, my concerns, the things I don't understand. But I say this, if you can use me, here I am. Give me the strategies, give me the teams to work with. Help me to connect with a, a body of believers who will support me. But I choose to believe that I am alive for such a time as this one. And because I'm not dead, I'm not done. There is more for me to do. As long as you never let go of my hand, we can do this together, Lord. We can do this together. So just take a minute or two, get with a couple of people around you and bless them and say, I just believe in you. If you're uncomfortable with some of the people around you, um, some of the ministry team will be up here. Maybe you don't know them. Um, but just lay hands on someone near you and say, because of Jesus and the faithfulness of the Holy Spirit, I believe in you. I believe in you for harvest time, for flowers, for fruit.